I'm committed. I'm committed. Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast coming to you on a Wednesday. We made a promise, Andy, that when we hit this offseason, we're going to start ramping up our content coverage. And gosh darn it, we're doing it. I'm Adam Arnbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast. And there is, live via satellite from Florida, Andy Makowitz, healthy, wealthy, and and I think feeling wiser and wiser and stronger and stronger as a generational season ticket holder for Big Blue. You know, much like Joe Judge in that soundbite, Adam, I am committed as well. I just wanted to let let the let the people know because we have been just diving headfirst into the flurry of activity from the Giants, from Joe Judge, whether he stays and goes, to all of the different GM searches. And I'm excited today because I feel like we've got some insight into some of the different ways the Giants can go um, with this offseason in terms of where the GM's going to come from. Yeah, for sure, man. Listen, the only problem when you are 100% committed to your job is if your employer is not. And uh, that may be something that Joe may want to revisit. Um, Just a quick, from a content standpoint, we had on Candace Cooper, chopped it up, obviously locked on ACC. Also, as we uh, discovered in real time, the 999 fan down in Raleigh, North Carolina. So she, that's the ESPN affiliate. She was on with us. We talked about the off season. We talked about some just general GM perspective. And listen, the state of things, right? The the slow burn that was the end of the Giants season. It was a lot of fun. That's going to be out there as well. So be sure to check that out as we, uh, we listen, we're doing it all off season. I think there's going to actually be now before we get into these GMs, because I had talked about um, a couple of these guys. We're going to rehash one of them, but really everything else that Andy's going to bring up here is his deep dive on these guys, their connections to the Giants and, and maybe where he thinks that the New York football Giants should go from the GM search standpoint. But but I do think that the in general, this feels like a renewed sense of of excitement around for fans and for if you're doing a podcast covering them. Like there's this new energy around the idea of well, well now it is anything's possible, right? Who's going to take over? What are all the changes you're going to make? What's the offense going to look like? Like all of these things really now I, I do think start the Giants after a decade of just terrible ineptitude. We can finally feel like we have turned the page or lit that book on fire and now purchased a new book and we're starting chapter one. Well, the exciting part about this, Adam, is actually in the the details of the general manager search. And, and it's twofold. Yeah. One is that uh, co-owner Steve Tish and John Mara have come out and said the general manager will be responsible for hiring the head coach. And this time it sounds like they actually mean it, where it's like, you are going to have autonomy to be able to make this decision, which is refreshing for the Giants. And And the second piece of it is, the types of candidates that the Giants are bringing in are ones that Giant fans should be excited about. I, we're not seeing the retreads of the Lewis Riddicks of the world, the Bill Polians, the Scott Piolis, the John Dorseys, the ones that are like retreads after retreads after retreads. The Dave Gettleman's, right? Yeah, the, 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 the Dave Gettleman's. We're trying to move away from this like old guard into some of the smarter, new, younger, exciting, analytical head, you know, head guys or assistant GMs or directors of player personnel. Like I'm excited about the names that, that the giants are putting out there, which I was just dreading at first, Adam. A lot of times. Yeah. When you, this is usually the part where you go, Oh God, not these guys. Right. Because even when the giants try to make a change, I mean, listen, a lot of it was Dave Gettleman, right? At the time of the hiring. And it's easy to look back at it now and say, good Lord. But at the time of it, I think it was this, this mixed feeling of, 
all right, it's a guy that has ties to the organization. He's been around the league a long time. But as we know, when you look around the league, you just say, you know, fresh perspective can sometimes be important. And and a lot of these guys we're going to talk about, it's not like they're walking in off the street, It's but it is a fresh perspective or what feels like a mind that has been progressing with the NFL over the last 10 to 15 years. One quick footnote, and then we're diving right in. It is Wednesday. We're doing this before uh, the Giants, John Mara, will be meeting with the media this afternoon. We'll, we'll cover that later in the week. I, I don't expect there to be anything groundbreaking outside of a lot of questions around what led to the decision with Joe Judge. What are you looking for in a new GM? Blah, blah. You know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it, but I don't expect anything earth shattering to come out of it. So we will get to that, of course, uh, a little bit later in this in this week. But for now, general managers, Andy, deep diving. We'll kick it off with a guy that I had mentioned at the, at the uh, top on I don't know, but two episodes ago, one episode ago, I'm getting lost in the sauce here a little bit, but it is Bill's assistant GM, Joe Shane, and everyone is pronouncing that wrong. And Andy uh, did the dive on that pronunciation. Give us your take on him, the perspective on what he could bring to the table and what his background is. Well, coincidentally and ironically, as we are recording this right now, Joe Shane is on a virtual Zoom with John Mara and Steve Tisch interviewing for the Giants GM position. So, so there is some world where I have to totally burn what I just said, and we do another emergency podcast where the Giants announce that they're hiring <laughs> Joe Sheen. At uh, one yeah, I'm, imagine that he's the only person they interview, <laughs> and then at noon they're like, "Hey, we found our guy." It would be so apropos if they if they cast this wide net. We're all excited, and they're like, "We'll take the first guy that we that we talked to." He sounded nice. Yeah. So so listen. So so Joe Shane, the reason why I know Adam touched upon this in the bonus episode, we talked a little uh, to Candace Cooper about Joe Shane. The reason why we want to make sure to cover him one more time is because he is the presumptive favorite, according to a lot of, uh, of people around the Giants. Even as recently as a few weeks ago, when they were talking about Joe Judge, you know, retiring and, and being sent off into the night, um, the name that started echoing through the halls was Joe Shane. And the reason why is because he is so well regarded around the league for the work that he's done. You know, he started with the Carolina Panthers. He then got poached. Uh, to the Miami Dolphins by Bill Parcells, who said, I needed that guy because he was like one of the super smart guys. He's going to be a rock star in this league. Spent a bunch of time with the Miami Dolphins uh, and then moved over in 2017 to the Buffalo Bills. And he gets a lot of credit for a lot of the the moves that they've done. He's he's a guy that everyone, even Brandon Bean, has basically come out and said, he, oh, he's definitely going to be a GM in this league. There's like no doubt in my mind that he will be, but he's taking a very smart approach. He's not just hopping at the first GM job to show everyone that he's like, you know, the flashy new guy on the block. He's being very methodical about where he wants to go and what type of team he wants to be able to essentially compile. Interestingly enough, because I think that he does come in as a strong candidate, uh, you know, poached is both the way to cook an egg, but also how you sometimes acquire talent from other organizations. But I, I think that finding a GM or assistant GM that you've heard has been mindful about where he wants to go, right? The opportunity, a footnote inside of this is that the GM job for the Giants after the following of Joe Judge all of a sudden took on a little bit of a different perspective, right? This idea that were they going to try to saddle somebody with his head coach or not? Instead, now it is you've got multiple first-round picks in the top 10. You have a clean slate as far as a head coach and decision-making process you want to have. And you have the ability, even though the cap situation may not be great, you have this ability to come in and say, Move off this money, change this, take this guy out of here. You're you're not obligated or beholden to anything. It does all of a sudden turn this over and I think make it a very attractive job now from a, hey, it's 
coming in at the at the ground floor, right? Other other positions around the league, other opportunities may have better talent level or a brighter outlook in the short term. But this is you get to come in and put your full hands on this. It'll be molded in your vision. And and as Art Stapleton uh, reported, or he wrote out in in, in JACOM, um, the reason why Joe Shane is also well regarded, you know, aside from the super smart kind of guy. He's personable and works across all different groups within the the organization that he's in. So whether it's player personnel, operations, analytics, he seems to get his hand in everything. And he's not afraid to do the dirty work. You know, we we talk about, you know, he he looks at grading out players from the previous game. And then he goes into injury reports. And then he goes and hops on a flight on Wednesday and Thursday and goes scouting for the Buffalo Bills. Like he's got his hand in everything. Um, what I will say, Adam, the, uh, and uh, tell me if this is a concern or, or maybe a roadblock. The only thing that I could see uh, being an issue is that Brandon Bean is the GM of the Buffalo Bills right now. He's the one that's worked with Joe Shane and, and brought him from Carolina over to Buffalo after a few stops in between. Brandon Bean was the assistant GM for two and a half, three years in Carolina under one Dave Gettleman. And so when you think about it, it's tough in the football world to not have these like loose connections because right. everybody bounces around. But Brady Bean being the assistant GM for at least a few years under Dave Gettleman, do, do you have concerns that maybe Dave Gettleman might, you know, it might, Brandon Bean might be like, I don't know, this is a little weird. Don't do this. Here's what I've heard from Dave Gettleman about the dysfunction in the organization. Oh, oh, okay, right. So you're talking about would, would, would someone be in Joe Shane's ear being like, oh, you don't want to go get involved in that. Oh, no, listen, I, I thought you were going to say, do you worry about just the connection coming out of that tree? Because Bean has obviously had success in Buffalo. And this does go back to the idea of, remember, Dave Gettleman, 35 years in the league, right? There, there's a huge stretch where he was having success. Like, you know, he was a good GM. He was a good member of different organizations along the way. It fell off at the back end. It was a mistake to bring in a guy who was closer to the end than the beginning or the prime of his of his career for the New York football giants. I, I don't think so. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I, I think if anything, um, again, if you feel like the giants are getting back to at least wanting to be one of the, you know, the historic franchises in the NFL, I would like to think that Bean would be saying to Shane, this again, this is a clean slate opportunity, right? You're not going to walk into something where there's a lot of players or or potential voices that are going to try to push you in any one direction. Um, now, does it mean that the Giants GM job is the best one available? Certainly not, right? There's a lot of opportunities around the league that you may want to go, and that's going to come down to him. Uh, I, I don't think so, because by the way, I think if anybody called Dave Gettleman, it wouldn't mean much, but I think he would speak glowingly about the opportunity, right? Like, I don't think that Dave Gettleman is going to turn around and say, oh, here's all the reasons why it didn't work out for them, whatever, behind closed doors, right? I think everything that, that Gettleman would say is, uh, you know, I'm optimistic that Daniel Jones is still the franchise quarterback, and that was the thing that, you know, he's going to say all the stupid crap that covers up whether or not he made massive mistakes. And I think, by the way, real quick before we move on to the next one, is that everybody, all regards are, Everyone was talking to John Mayer when he was talking to all his connections around the league. They were saying, hey, what's going on with Joe Judge here? Like, what are you doing with the head coach? Hey, what's going on? It looks like Gettleman is kind of, you know, out the door here. So I think all of that also tells you everyone knows that these two individuals maybe were creating more dysfunction here. And now that's out the door. It's clean, fresh air. Yeah. And, and when you talk about speaking clean, not having Joe Judge, if you want Joe Shane, there's a natural uh, linkage right there with uh, offensive coordinator Brian Dayball yep. 
He was the uh, assistant coach of the year, and they credit a lot of the work that Josh Allen had in his progression mm-hmm. to Brian Dable. Man, would that be a welcome sight if you had someone like that wrap their arms around Daniel Jones to staff? What here's what's funny about that because I think, yes, if you're going to have, we talked about this a lot of different times, there's no reason not to have Daniel Jones on the roster in his fourth year. You don't pick up the fifth year option. I think if you look at Daniel Jones and you want to give him a fair shake, he's a Josh Allen light kind of guy. And you can go back to the start of Allen's career and say, remember this dude couldn't complete a pass that his life depended on it. You brought that up to a respectable level. You balanced out the offense and all of a sudden it has value. And if you look at some of the personnel and specifically bringing in a guy like Stefan Diggs as they did to really take that offense to the next level, there are components and players like a young Kadarius Tony that maybe fit into that mold. So you don't have to be lockstep bringing over that coordinator and also He's shown a nice positive track record. And I think just philosophically, you can continue to build in a modern offensive kind of system, have some quality running backs. Don't have to have an all-star stud there, have some quality wide receivers and a guy that can really blow up the top of the defense. And these would be things that both of these a GM and a coach would be on the same page. You would think from a personnel standpoint. So I like that. Um, I'm fine with it. You know, listen, you're, you're going to be able to tell me a lot of guys that I'd be happy to have the giants hire and chief among them could be Shane. We move our attention then over to uh, the 49ers. You got two names to talk about here. Uh, Director of Player Personnel, Rand Carthen, and then also Assistant GM, Adam Peters. Yeah, so I'll I'll start with Rand because I feel like um, he's kind of a a little bit of a dark horse type of of candidate here. Um, You know, I think you mentioned earlier, Adam, a little bit of his connection to to the Giants. His father played and won a Super Bowl on the on the 86 Giants team. He, he then had coaching stints at, at uh, about 10 different uh, NFL teams. So, you know, from a family that obviously has connections to the Giants and has a long lineage in football, I, it kind of feels like it's uh, get his name out there. Let's let's help him out a little bit type of interview. Um, mm-hmm. Just knowing that he doesn't have the same type of experience as some of the other candidates that the Giants are interviewing. So I'll kind of leave it th- at that unless you had any other thoughts about Rand. No, I think it's fine. Like you say, like I don't at this point for the Giants franchise, this is somebody that maybe the Giants would want to hire underneath assistant GM Adam Peters, right? Maybe these guys come together if it's going to be uh, Peters that could be a potential candidate, right? Well, then you look at other players on that staff, and I think it's noteworthy. But break down Adam Peters and whether or not he rises up above a, a Shane on your list of GM candidates. Oh, so Adam, the more homework I do, the more I'm all about Adam Peters and he would actually be my number one candidate. I like Joe Shane and I'm excited about him. I would not be upset obviously if, as they hire him, but the more recon that I do about Adam Peters, the more I'm excited about his track record and what he can bring. And I'll, you know, for anyone that's not familiar, cause I wasn't familiar with him up until about a few days ago when, when his name started surfacing. Um, but in doing recon, what I really like about him is he has the same type of Joe Shane uh, movement where he's had success at, three different organizations. That to me is a huge indicator. It's not just one place where the system works really well and you're, you're benefiting from it. You know, he started out with the Patriots that, you know, had success there was part of a Super Bowl winning organization. There. Then over to the Broncos accumulated a ton of draft capital and was the reason, you know, one of the main reasons why they were able to do so much during the draft and end up going to the Super Bowl with a roster that he had a little bit of his fingerprints on um, with the Broncos then moves over to be the assistant GM um, in San Francisco. You can see how good they are at developing talent. 
You can see they want to run the football. They have an identity. They continue to get players that fill that identity for the team. I am really excited about Adam Peters, and I feel like he's you know he's got the track record of multiple decades of success in the NFL. Adam, and, you know, over over the course of three different teams that have all been successful and been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I do like, you know, that's the other layer maybe, and it's not a knock on Shane or any of these candidates, right? But if you worked underneath someone else, somewhere else around the league, and then you finally rise up to an assistant GM position and you go to a team that has success, okay, that team is having success. But when you can say, I have my methods, right? I have my system of building personnel, of building a, a an organization up. And I can take this and go anywhere with it. And you can, you know, whether it's saying you're a basement dweller and you want to get back to respectability, you're a playoff team that wants to get to the Super Bowl or you want to win the championship. I have a bit of a system in place here that that's applicable no matter where you put me. That's really appealing. I mean, it really, it genuinely is. The, the, the one thing I'll say, and I, I don't mind it, and this is kind of the piece where now I get to do a deep dive and, and come back and see. And we'll, you know, this could be a quick moving, quick moving train here. So we may not have a lot of time to, continue to develop our thoughts before we get a final candidate, but I think it's worth diving in as hard as we can on as many of them. I just wanted to give a note here around Carson and maybe why his name, not from a, a GM perspective, but maybe coming over to the organization if the Giants went with Peters. And that is because you may remember that uh, Abrams obviously was not going to be a part of the search here for the Giants. Co-director of player personnel, Mark Conks, was brought over from Carolina by Dave Gettleman. So that means that someone involved in player personnel could also be on his way out. We assume a lot of these voices are going to be on their way out. So when we think not just about, well, here's an assistant GM and he has an offensive coordinator he likes, like in Buffalo, here with the 49ers, maybe Adam Peters likes the idea of Carthon being a part of what he organizes if he takes over another franchise. So um, it's more than one piece. The GM's the biggest domino to fall. But if we like other names underneath some of these guys, that could be exciting too. Well, Adam, I'm going to give a little sneaky thing that I haven't really seen anyone report yet about Adam Peters. You know, we talked about Joe Shane and, and uh, the easy, natural connection that people have to Brian Dayball being promoted from offense coordinator to the Giants head coaching. Adam Peters obviously has been with three different teams, has been in the league for almost 20 years. Um, what I found fascinating is going back through some of, of the history of, of where he was and what he did. You know, Adam Peters was in the scouting department of the New England Patriots from 03 to 08. Oops. And it just so happened that there was a scouting assistant and pro scout with the Pats from 04 to 07, literally for three years that Joe Shane was there. One Brian Flores for three years as a scouting personnel guy. So there is this really deep connection where they worked with each other 20 years ago, very closely in the same department for three years straight where you're grinding on the road, you're out at road trips, you're doing a bunch of different huh. stuff. Something tells me that if you want a guy like Adam Peters, they had to get rid of Joe Judge so that he could bring in someone that he wants. And for those that aren't familiar with Brian Flores being let go by the Dolphins, Brian Flores is from Brooklyn. He is a New York guy. He grew up a diehard New York Giants fan. So if you want to make some different connections here, bringing in Adam Peters, who has worked alongside Brian Flores, and knowing the Giants have to act quick because Brian Flores is already getting interviews with the Chicago Bears, I see that like there's a lot of tea leaves here that are saying, you know, maybe we want to bring Rand Carthen in because if we want Adam Peters, maybe Rand comes with him. Maybe they hire Brian Flores. Like I would I wouldn't don't be shocked if that is the the setup that the Giants ultimately go with Adam. That's interesting, man. And you know what? It brings me to one more thing before we touch on a couple more uh, candidates here in the background. 
Um, something that Peter Bukowski, he works on the Locked On Network. He covers the Packers. He, he threw out this idea over on Twitter today um, where everyone's talking about, oh, you know, offensive, offensive mind. That, that's where all the trend is. And then he gave this laundry list of all the different special teams coordinators, defensive coordinators, QB coaches, offense coordinators that have been given head coaching opportunities over the last 10 to 15 years and kind of debunking this idea, right? We all think in our mind, it's an offensive driven league. And therefore you need to go with the cliff Kingsbury's. You need to go with the next great offensive mind. You do want to have, and the giants will need a very strong offensive coordinator to create this new system for them. But it's okay. Again, the head coaching role and what, I, what we think kind of was the biggest failing for Joe Judge was you need to be the manager of everything. And for, for whatever we heard about Flores and his time in Miami, it seems like he's a no-nonsense guy, but a no-nonsense guy that understands how to communicate that and get everyone on the same page, right? Joe Judge saw himself as a no-nonsense guy but could not motivate and move the entire team all the coordinators, all the coaches, all the players in the same direction. I, I said this before too. Flores led the Miami Dolphins to back-to-back -to -back above 500 seasons for the first time since 2001, 2002. Like, he accomplished something there. And it's not like when you look down at Miami and their roster, you go, hey, that's a top talent team. And they played in a very competitive, at least from the Bills and Patriots perspective, competitive division uh, in the AFC East. So that's interesting, man. And I think this is the kind of thing where, the deeper you go, as you say, connections around the NFL run long and deep and guys have been in there for 15, 20, 30 years. So when you have these conversations behind closed doors, you're always saying, right, as, as, as I move up the chain, assistant GM, when I get an opportunity, man, you're my guy. Now that can change over time if someone doesn't have success, but that's not bad, man. And I've said before, you know, you'll hear from uh, Candace Cooper. She mentioned Flores being interested, whatever. I, I don't know if I would hate it. Would you let me real quick before we move on? Do you like the idea of having deeper connections through the Patriots organization? Or is this one of those things where we know what Bill Belichick's coaching tree looks like and saying, listen, I, I get that they've done it really well, but it doesn't mean that everyone that leaves there necessarily does it really well. Well, but that's that's the point that I'm trying to make with with having multiple stops. Right. Guys, they overlap it like and, and then go show it. Yes. yes. They they leave they leave the nest and then they go have you know Adam Peters had success in Denver then he's had success in, in San Francisco so clearly it's translated to other organizations. You talked about Brian Flores he leaves the Dolphins have become relevant and they're winning games in spite of uh, them you know the front office taking Tua over Justin Herbert despite right. them trading away Laramie Tunsil and and not having him there and and trading away Minka Fitzpatrick they're getting rid of all this talent and, and yet he's still performing at a high level. Uh, real quick before we get to the other two candidates, um, Josh McDaniels, is that a name that you would want to be here? You know, let's say that Adam Peters, who has connections to the Patriots and has an overlap there. Do you think that Josh McDaniels has proven the error that he's not worthy of being a head coach anymore? He had his stint relatively bad with the Broncos. He took, accepted, hired, and then reneged on his opportunity with the Colts. That, that, that's that been thrown around a lot here too, just from a head coaching candidate and someone that would be on any of these GM's radars. Here's a guy that's been able to construct offenses really well, but do we already think he's not capable of necessarily running an entire team? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of iffy on on him. You can see how the, how everything ended in Denver. It didn't really work out great. You could see that he was... Drafted Tim Tebow. I mean, that could probably be a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lot. And and then was indecisive about taking the uh, the Detroit Lions or Indianapolis Colts role before they hired Frank Wright. It's it it just I don't know. I'm 
different from there's plenty of other really good candidates throughout this cycle. You talk about Iron Leftwich is another name that's coming up as like a guy who's paid his dues that's very offensive minded. Yep. So I, I'm fine on moving past Josh McDaniels and focusing on 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 you know a, anyone else during this cycle, I think. Feels like a little bit of one of the retread names in some ways. All right, let's get to uh, Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel Joe Horitz. Does he have? Does he tickle your fancy at all? So uh, I'm interested in, and this is a, one of the names that everyone's excited about because he's been the director of player personnel for the Ravens. Um, it's it's his, uh, I think it's his third this year being the director of player personnel. He's actually been with the Ravens for 24 years. So like. He's a guy, a loyal guy that's been there, moved up the ranks, and, and has had his hands on uh, some of the scouting stuff over the last couple of years for sure. Um, I, I like him. It seems like Giants Twitter really likes him because they like what the Ravens have done to be able to develop talent. It feels like they have like an offensive lineman or a, a linebacker that comes out of nowhere that's amazing every single time, and you're like, how come we can't get that? Um, the one thing I will say that, that I'm just concerned about is, is what we talked about before. He's just been with the Ravens for so long. He sat under Ozzie Newsom as the GM, who is regarded as one of the best GMs, at, you know, to ever ever be in the NFL. Pulling all the strings, it's like how much has he been able to do on his own versus how much do you credit the GM who he's been sitting under for decades? Sure, and that's a little bit, you know, a fan had brought this up on the YouTube about um, Ernie Accorsi. We all have him in, in our mind as being the best, and we all take a big old steamer on, you know, Jerry Reese and his time as GM. But as he pointed out. But Jerry Reese was there in the organization in the scouting department. Like he learned underneath Ernie Accorsi. He was a part of bringing in some of the talent and the draft picks, et cetera. And that's, I think, where it does become a little bit clouded. When you see a guy that's been signed of an organization, you want him to be a part of the credit that you give. But when things, especially for the Giants, have been so murky, you start to say, well, I don't know. I don't know which way is up. Now, in the case of the Ravens, they've been one of the most consistent franchises in the NFL. So you could take some solace in that. Um, but I would wonder... If uh, to your point, if you're going to take him out of that organization where he's been for so long, you have to then these are some things, too. It's like jumping from player personnel to GM. I'm not saying that's a big leap, but the progression of a guy who's been inside of an organization, now player personnel, then assistant GM, maybe long term, the GM of the Baltimore Ravens at some point. Right. So you wonder if the Giants would have to pull someone from a slightly lower rank to give him this opportunity. And um, quick caveat on him. Do you think that uh, he happens to have a head coach there who happens to have a brother? Do, you know, if he all of a sudden came in, then are we are we tickling the the twin brother Harbaugh keys for the New York Football Giants? Oh, please no! I, I'm 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 out on. I'm a big out on that because I think yeah, I, I think I, people have, have washed away the idea of some of the same mentality and personality of Harbaugh that that led to his end with the 49ers right yeah yeah exactly like at first i was like oh he's a coach that's had really good success in the nfl and then i'm like yeah but then he grinded on people he had to leave because like they, no one wanted him there anymore he's a hard-nosed <laughs> guy he's he, the, the new york media would just like chew him up and, and be very angry with him it just it would be another tumultuous relationship with the media and the fans i just don't want that so i would much rather a, a different more charismatic pick there Last licks, last looks, Chiefs, Kansas City, director of player personnel, Ryan Poles. Yeah, so he's an interesting candidate because he kind of came out of nowhere last year, Adam. You know, he, he, uh, he's he been with the team for 13 years. Um, you know, the fun fact that you can uh, get a free beer off of one of your friends at the bar was he was the offensive tackle 
in Boston College, 4-1, Matt Ryan. So if you want to keep that little trivia pocket thing in your in your pocket, keep that one. But um, Ryan Poles is, is credited with doing a lot of the college scouting for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you see them develop people or they draft you know the right guy at the right time, a lot of people are saying Ryan Poles is the, is the right hand man to the to the GM today. Um, while he has less experience than some of these other guys, Adam, you know he is a former offensive tackle. He was critical in them drafting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the late rounds to be able to revamp this offensive line in one season after it was an absolute debacle in the Super Bowl, right? So, like, does that does that move the needle for you that the guy knows how to evaluate offensive line talent? You know what my problem is? And it's not, it shouldn't be a knock on this guy. Andy Reid is there. It's the same reason why I want to love Eric Bieniemy, but I I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to think about him. Like I think that we all we all accept that Andy Reid is as close to a Bill Belichick in terms of what he can accomplish with an organization, no matter where he is. And it's only two stops as a you know head coach per se, but you know what he's capable of. He walks in there and and he commands what is going to happen. He dictates those things. Doesn't mean these guys aren't talented. It just it, it's in my mind of being like it's like, it's like taking someone from the Bill Belichick tree where you go. Yeah, I don't know, though, man. Bill Belichick, he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting there, and that feels the same way for the Kansas City Chiefs. So while I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset or dismissive of it, and I would value what he brings to the table, it would feel like, and, and I mentioned the enemy there, right? It's like, would you want Ryan Poles and then the possibility of bringing in Eric the enemy? Would I, would I be disgusted by it? No, but I don't know if it would be the number one choice or if I wouldn't have still my, my curiosities and questions around. Does that, does that pass the sniff test for you in terms of, where you might push a little bit of a pause and have some reservations. Well, I mean, the other thing is also every team and every department looks pretty good when Patrick Mahomes is chucking the ball around too. So uh -huh. it's like, it, it, it's hard because you know, he he's involved in it too. What I will say with, with, with Ryan Poles is when he interviewed for the GM job with the Carolina Panthers, they said he was charismatic and Ooh. they said he wowed him. He became a finalist Ooh. for the role. And like, and people thought, Ryan Poles, you're really interviewing this guy for the GM. And, and they almost made him the GM of the Carolina Panthers with less, you know, a decade less experience than everyone else. The one other thing I will say about Ryan Poles, to, to your point, is he was there before Andy Reid was there. He was involved in the teams that had Alex Smith that were consistently going 10 and sure, 6 and sure. making the playoffs. So, like, he's not just an Andy Reid guy. He's not just a Patrick Mahomes guy. He's actually been in the building and, and had a little bit of a voice for over a decade. You know what? That's fair. And again, like I said, these are knee-jerk reactions to these names that are coming right. through here. I'll take a deeper look because honestly, if I like the track record there, and by the way, if you listen to the podcast, I've gone to bat a handful of times around Alex Smith and what his career should have been evaluated as. So, uh, you know, I'll take a deeper look and maybe and maybe that does pass this pass that test a little bit. And same thing, the enemy has been a part of that organization for a very long time, and you can track his success as an offensive mind well beyond since Andy rejoined the organization. Uh, that being the case, man, listen, uh, the hot name on the list is Shane. We get that. Uh, I, I'd be perfectly comfortable with that. I'd be perfectly comfortable with anyone out of the 49ers organization because that has been an incredibly consistent structure that they've had there last year. Such a bad record. They, they dealt with the most injuries in NFL history, and they came right back around the next year and were able to get themselves right back on track and find themselves back in the playoffs. So I, I like any any organization you can point to. And maybe this is the one piece when you look at the Bills, it's taken them a long time to get there, right? They have not been a stable franchise, or at least from a winning perspective, as long as some of these other ones. I like that. I like track records. And I, I think it, it 
it's this ping pong in your head of, well, the organization has always been so good. So does it matter who's running things in different spots or they're so good? They know how to have the right people in the right position. So that, that that's the danger of it. The good news is there's nobody in recent history for the Giants where you go, that's a tough, tough bar, tough standard we're setting over here. Literally anyone is going to give me a sense of confidence when they bring them in. Well, and at the end of the day for me, Adam, the one thing that I really like is, as you can tell, I like play people that have experiences at multiple organizations and showing yeah, that yes. their methodology yep. has been successful. So you look at Joe Shane, he's been in three different places, had success. Everyone's liked him. You look at Adam Peters, he's been three different places, has had success. I really like those and I gravitate towards those types of, of potential candidates. Um, you know, but we're, we're going to see this is only five of the nine that the Giants have at least requested interviews for. Sure. There's going to be a, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a 10th on there for some reason. But the most important thing, Adam, is we get the GM situation figured out because Tish and Mara have said they are responsible for the coaching hire. And I don't want to have the fifth, sixth, seventh or eighth best head coach on the market because we just waited too long to be able to hire a GM and have conviction. Well, yeah, that that'll be the final note for me is we already have seen them wait, you know, waited out when they got Gettleman. And then it was what you sat there with you sat there on your hands and all of a sudden you ended up with Pat Shermer. It's not an indictment on him. It's just about being proactive in your process. If there's a guy you like, if there's a mind that you want, then go get him. And that doesn't mean that because you think that Shane would be a good fit for your organization, you don't have to immediately hire him the second that you finish the interview today. No, you can still do other interviews, but just have conviction on where you're going, have conviction on the decisions that you're making. And now listen, did they have conviction around one Joe Judge when they hired him? Yeah, they did. But this again is one of those opportunities where it feels like John Mara, Steve Tisch, they under they, they've acknowledged and understand where the missteps have been and they're willing to move forward, hopefully in the right direction. So we'll see how it goes here. Like you say, this is half the list. There's going to probably be a couple more names that will come out there as well. And then, by the way, any of these GMs that do get hired to the role, we don't know where else they may look for head coaching. It's not solely about guys that you have a great connection with. A part of being a great GM is being able to evaluate not just player talent, coaching talent and make sure that you bring in the best version of the roster. You can follow us, as we say, on social media at One Giant Podcast over on YouTube where it's wet and wild, fast and furious. We'll be banging it out all week long and into next week. And then once this gets established, we did a little bit with Candace Cooper to get her pers perspective on it. We're going to dive into not just free agents on the roster because most of those names are relatively trash, but also key names that are on this roster that are from the last regime. There, there, there's going to be quality players you move, may, may move on from simply because it's about a clean slate or the system that you're going to run offensively and defensively. Making personnel that fits what you want to do on this team is going to impact how the Giants make decisions this offseason. We'll break that all down. And now more than ever, Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.